Good morning, everyone. Well, let me start off this morning uh, by asking you a question. Uh, would you say growing up that you maybe watched a little too much TV? Yeah, right? I, I think um, I think my family did, and I think in, to some degree we probably all admit to that. So here's my next question. What was your favorite family show? Seriously, you can shout some out. <laughs> What are you? Oh my goodness, that's all right. <laughs> nice. Well, some of the ones I remember watching, and Steph's got some some slides here. So, so Brady Bunch reruns, uh, reruns of All in the Family, yeah. <laughs> uh, family Ties, you guys remember that? Uh, Mr. Belvedere had Euchre in it, all right. Uh, Who's the boss? That was my sister's favorite. Uh, Growing Pains. Alan Thicke just passed away. Uh, the Cosby Show, Full House, anybody, right? Um, let's see, The Fresh Prince of Bel Air, <laughs> and then and then there was my grandpa's favorite, which is Everybody Loves Raymond. <laughs> That's a lot, right? I mean, and, and those are just the ones that I grew up with. Uh, I'm not even I'm not even really sure if we had a favorite. Uh, and of course, you know, there there were some off-color ones as well, like uh, Married with Children. Roseanne, I think I think these days maybe Modern Family fits that mold a little bit. Uh, and, and beyond being about families, I think that all these shows really have one common thread. You know what that is? Brokenness. I bet you didn't think I was going to say that. Uh, yeah, by and large, they're all comedies, but uh, for the most part, these shows talked about how families dealt with brokenness whether it was the brokenness of divorce, or racism, or death, or single parenting, or blended families, poverty, sexuality. And there right now is a, a popular uh, TV show out called This Is Us, and it's pretty successful, and it's, it's a real tearjerker. Uh, and and it's, it's, it follows a family that almost like, like all family shows, uh, it, they're navigating through brokenness. Uh, and it's kind of saying, we're a mess, but this is us. Uh, and I think a lot of people resonate with that, whether that's from their past or what they're going through right now. And I know growing up, for me, you know, my family had, had its share of mess. Actually, I remember when I was in high school, uh, I took a creative writing class, and we had um, a project, a series on poetry, and we had to create a, uh, a poetry portfolio. And so it had to have a haiku, a sonnet, uh, a poem with iambic pentameter. I had to look up again what that even was. <laughs> and uh, just other stuff like that. And so one of the, one of the poems was a, a free, free verse. And I remember one short free verse poem that I wrote, and I still remember it to this day. And this is how it goes. Brother laughing, sister crying, mother screaming, father leaving. That poem didn't describe every day, but it, it described a lot of days. Uh, and, and we were a Christian family, but there was still brokenness. Uh, and no one's family is, is perfect, of course. Uh, and some might have been better than others, but there's brokenness in all of them because we live in a broken, fallen world. This is us. We don't need the TV shows to tell us that families in this country, by and large, and look at this in Second Timothy. This is what Paul says. 
But mark this. There will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power. Whew. Now, whether, uh, whether it's the end times or not, uh, that passage, I think, seems to sum things up today, doesn't it? I mean, so this morning, what we're doing is we're kicking off a new series called This Is Us. And we're realizing that we've all experienced some level of brokenness and mess in our families and that we're all navigating what it looks like to be a family in a broken world. And TV shows would lead you to believe that that's it. That's the goal, navigating through the brokenness. As followers of Jesus Christ, we know that that's not it. There's so much more. And more than anything through this series, we want to point to how the kingdom of God, and specifically Jesus Christ the King, not only helps us through the brokenness or makes sense of it, but how he seeks to redeem it. And how he seeks and how he wants to repair the brokenness that's in our lives and in our families and beyond that, how Jesus Christ desires to use us and our families to show the world a new way to be show the world the redemptive power of Jesus when we show the world a new way of doing family. Let me repeat that again. We show the world the redemptive power of Jesus when we show the world a new way of doing family. And so in, in Scripture, we're given numerous examples uh, of, of families to look at, both to learn what to do and what not to do. Uh, and, and so in our series, we're going to be specifically looking at families, husbands, wives, children, and parents, and, and looking at how we can all make a difference in this world when we find our identity in Jesus Christ and when we live out the values of his kingdom. So we're going to start with Paul's letter to the Ephesians. In the next few weeks, what we're going to do is we're going to pop over the story of Esther. And then we're going to end again with back in Ephesians. And so if you have a Bible with you this morning, I encourage you to pull that out and open up to Paul's letter to the Ephesians. And that's toward the end of the Bible. So if you'd like a Bible, by all means, wave at Bill or feel free to hop down and grab one. Bill would love to bring one up to you, though, so make sure you wave at him well. And so Ephesians 5, we're going to look at verses 1 through 21. And if you have a red Bible, that is found on page 829. All right, and as you're turning there, let's take a moment just to pray and ask, ask the Lord really to open us up to his word this morning. Father, I thank you for the opportunity that we have to come before you, um, the opportunity that we have to gather together, the opportunity we have to gather in grace, uh, to come before your throne, to, to, to sit um, at your word and, and learn from it. And this morning I ask that you would open our hearts up to the things that you are desiring to say to us, the, the things that you are desiring to speak, that we would listen, that we would hear that our hearts would be open and receptive, that, that we wouldn't 
push away uh, just the, the presence of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, we do ask for the presence both in this place and in each of us individually because we do desire your presence in our families. We pray this all in the name of Jesus. Well, let's, uh, the, the, let's take a look at this passage in Ephesians 5. Really what this, this passage, in some senses, begins actually uh, in the middle of chapter 4. And, and this is Paul's introduction and what it looks like to live as God's family and, and how, as well as how we live as individual families, wives, husbands, children, and parents. And, and it really comes down to that big idea that we show the world redemptive power of Jesus when we show the world a different way of doing family. So let's start by looking at verses, just verses 1 and 2 of Ephesians 5. Be imitators of God, therefore, as dearly loved children, and live a life of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. I think it's so important that we pause here. Uh, our, our identity and what we do flows out of who God is and what he's done. And, and so God is our loving Father. That's who he is. And he came as in the person of Jesus Christ to sacrifice himself for us. That's what he has done. And then we are his dearly loved children. That's who we are. And then what we do, we live a life of love and we be imitators of God. Remember, we don't live a life of love and imitate God so that then God loves us and chooses to be our Father. No, He already loves us and He demonstrated it through Jesus and we receive our identity and our purpose and our faith in that. I think um, my daughter, Aria, was probably somewhere around two years old and uh, she, was, she was trying to do something. I don't even really specifically remember what it was she was trying to do. Um, but uh, I'll never forget that this, this tiny little girl uh, was so frustrated, just trying to do this one thing, whatever it was. And then finally, out of her tiny little body, exploded, come on! Come on! <laughs> you, you know where she hears that from? Her old man. Because <laughs> this guy, that's what he says when, uh, <laughs> when I get frustrated. <laughs> come on. <laughs> And I'll never forget that because uh, my wife, Trish, and I just looked at each other and we're like, oh, boy. <laughs> because that was the moment that we realized everything we do and everything we say is being watched. Children imitate their parents. That's what they do. And Paul says, as dearly loved children of God, imitate your Father. Live lives of love like your Heavenly Father. And the way Jesus showed us God's love was through his sacrifice, which gave us the identity as sons and daughters, dearly loved children, family of God. Paul says, as God's family, and in your individual families, imitate your heavenly Father and live lives of love. Why? Because we find our identity in who he is and what he's done. And because we show the world the redemptive power of Jesus show the world a different way of being family. So Paul goes on, and then he tells us exactly uh, what needs to look different. So check this out. Let's read verses 3 through 7. But among you, 
there must not even be a hint of sexual immorality or any kind of impurity or of greed, because these are improper for God's holy people. Nor should there be obscenity, foolish talk, or coarse joking, which are out of place, but rather thanksgiving. For this you can be sure, no immoral, impure, or greedy person, such a man as an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of such things God's wrath comes on those who are disobedient. Therefore, do not be partners with them. Sexual immorality, greed, impurity, obscenity, foolish talk, coarse joking, uh, idolatry, and then later on Paul's Paul's also going to mention drunkenness. Uh, These things have no place in our families because they have no place with God. Paul says be imitators of God, not the world around us. The world doesn't know God. And actually what we see back in in chapter 4, verse 17, where this section really starts, is Paul tells the Ephesians to stop living like the Gentiles do. And verse 19 actually explains exactly what that looks like. Steph, you put that up. Having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity with a continual lust for more. Having lost all sensitivity. My wife, Sharice, is a physical therapist, and uh, when she was finishing up grad school, one of the things that she had to do was different clinical placements, which essentially is, is go to uh, the different types of physical therapy types of environments to work at. And one of those was a skilled nursing facility. If you don't know what that is, that's okay. I didn't know either. It's just basically it's a nursing home. And, and one of the stories I would hear from her a lot was when she would tell me about bed sores. And that was the other thing. I'm like, what's the deal with bed sores? How do they get bed sores? And, and really what would happen is, is patients that especially had any kind of nerve damage, patients that had like spinal cord injuries or diabetes or other things, uh, would essentially, uh, when they would lie in bed so long and in the same position, and because they had lost their sensitivity and they lost that sense of pain, essentially the body's alarm you know, for danger, uh, they could get these infected bed sores that they didn't even know that they had, that over time would start to work their way internally. And they just, they just start destroying everything. Just keep consuming flesh, keep going. And Paul is saying that the Gentiles' consciences and their moral compasses have lost all sensitivity. And they've lost that alarm for danger. And now they continually lust after sensitivity, sensuality. And they're being eaten away internally. And it's like, it's like they're a black hole that can't be satiated. Never be filled, never enough. They have no idea how to stop. And they have no desire to. So Paul tells the Ephesians, stop living like the Gentiles. Here's the thing. The Ephesians were Gentiles. That'd be kind of like telling Wisconsinites to stop living like Americans. Actually, that's exactly what it's like. Paul is saying, stop living like the dominant, defining culture around you. For us, that's America. And let's be honest. Families in America are screwed up. They're a mess. That's what all of our TV shows are about. 
And, and Paul is saying, stop imitating and emulating them. Stop idolizing them. Stop living like them. And then Paul gives us this list of things to not even have a hint of greed, sexual immorality, obscenity, and then later drunkenness. And, and that all fits our American culture, American families today, right? And so, look, sexual immorality. Obviously, there's terrible sexual things on the Internet. We all know that. But the things on TV are far behind. Uh, our shows inundate us with casual sex, sexual abuse, sexual dominance, sexual language, sexual imagery, perversion of sexual identity. If we're not guarding ourselves and guarding our families against these things and denouncing them really for what they are, these things can start making their way off of the screen and into our homes. And if they are in our homes, we really do need to confess and repent from those things. So Paul says not a hint. So, what are you watching? What are, what are you reading? What are you wearing? What are you desiring? I am a huge sci-fi fantasy nerd. <laughs> if you don't know me yet, you should know that about me. Uh, and there is a show that I've heard about, which is like the best for sci-fi fantasy nerds, uh, Game of Thrones. But I won't watch it. Do you know why? Well, because it's an HBO show, and one of the things I have heard is that it's pretty much like soft horror pornography. I don't need that in my life. There's, it's the same reason I won't watch certain movies, uh, even though I might like the story or the action. So the drunkenness. You know, I hear stories, I really do, all the time on how either alcohol or drugs or addictions or little indulgences or escapes from reality have destroyed families and have led to deaths or car accidents or sexual abuse. Obscenity. Uh, I realize that depending on where you work or where you go to school, you're going to hear probably a lot of garbage, a lot of foul language, a lot of dirty jokes, but... Are we allowing that, that, that garbage into our lives also through what we're being entertained by? Sometimes, actually, at our house, we'll be watching an animated family movie with my, with my three-year-old and, and my one-year-old. And um, they'll just, on the, sh- on the movie, they'll, they'll just start saying things that we don't say in our house. And this, this might sound crazy to you, okay, but we were watching the Charlie Brown Christmas special, and we turned it off. Because in a matter of five minutes... They said stupid, idiot, and worthless more times than we could count. And we're like, you know what? We don't want that. We don't want our kids talking that way. And so we turn it off. It's okay to turn it off. This afternoon, you are going to see some gross commercials. Who knows what the halftime show is going to look like? Turn it off. Change the channel. It's okay. Leave the theater. We can do that. (laughs) Greed. That's the idolatry of stuff. Uh, and sometimes that looks like selfish spending, but usually it just looks like keeping up with our neighbors, uh, achieving and acquiring more and more. And in fact, getting all of the toys, uh, all of the nice things in life is, after all, part of the American dream, right? And, and here, actually, I want you to check this out because I think this TV commercial, which is one of my favorite from a few years ago, sums it up better than anything. I've got a four-bedroom house in a great community. Like my car? It's new. I even belong to the local golf club. How do I do it? I'm in debt up to my eyeballs. I can barely pay my finance charges. Somebody help me. Need a smart way to consolidate your debt? At Lenny. Sums it up, right? <laughs> and then what does he say? 
Somebody help me. The world is crying out, sometimes consciously, sometimes through pain. Somebody please help me. If no one lives differently, and no, then no one will know that there's anything more to live for. No one will know that there's hope out of the mess and out of the brokenness. See, we show the world the redemptive power of Jesus when we show the world a different way of doing family. And so let's read verses 8 through 14 uh, to see what Paul says to us as the family of God and as individual families following God. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light. The fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. And find out what pleases the Lord. Have nothing to do with fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. For it is shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret. But everything that is exposed by the light becomes visible. For it is light that makes everything visible. That is why it is said, Wake up, O sleeper. Rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Wake up, church. Wake up. It's time to wake up. Uh, The families that we see on TV and and in the world around us are a mess. The deeds of darkness are fruitless. Uh, Paul even says it's shameful to mention what they do, let alone watch shows about it. This families of believers, when we live just like the rest of the world, our lives will be fruitless. There will be no difference from any family who doesn't follow Christ. Darkness makes things darker. And I remember the first mission trip I was on. Uh, I was 16, and I was a pain in the butt. And, uh, we went to Mexico from Arkansas, and it took two days by bus with no air conditioning. And then when we finally got to the compound we were staying at, which was around midnight, um, they told us that they weren't ready for us yet. We had to wait a few hours on the sweltering bus. And like I said, at this point in my life, I was a pain in the butt. And so I did what came naturally to me. I used my leadership skills to rebel. And I started grouching and telling off the leaders and my bad attitude started to spread. And my darkness really started to spread. And luckily my youth pastor and a few girls started praying for me um, that, uh, that I'd have an encounter with Jesus. And it took several days, but he got me in the end. <laughs> in our families, if, if, if our families are living in darkness, it, it will spread. And there will be no difference from non-believing family. Paul says, see, you were dark, but now you are light. So live as light. Don't fall back into the patterns of living in darkness. Families, live as light to the world. Expose the fruitless, lifeless, meaningless, empty pit, which is the, the, the deeds of darkness. And so Paul gives us some final instruction then um, into this introduction on family, how to live as families of light that show the redemptive power of Jesus. So let's finish actually reading verses 15 through 21. Be careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because 
the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Speak to one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Sing and make music in your heart to the Lord. Always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. In a world of darkness, we're called to live wisely, not foolishly. Why? Because the days are evil, and they are getting worse. Just compare the Brady Bunch to modern family. And so Paul tells us to understand what the Lord's will is. Now, when I was a, a younger Christ follower, that was always like the most cryptic phrase. You know, like, what's the Lord's will for my life? <laughs> well, as followers of Jesus Christ, that doesn't have to be a cryptic statement at all. But we know what the Lord's will is. That God's glory would be made known. And that the whole world would come to know the saving, redemptive, and life-changing power of Jesus grace on the cross. When we, when we apply God's will to our families, we show the world the redemptive power of Jesus. When we show the world a different way of doing family. So we do family differently when we don't model it after the standards and practices of the culture around us or what we see on TV, but rather what we see in Scripture, what we see in God's Word, and what we see in the person and work of Jesus Christ. What do we see? Well, here's what we see. We imitate God because we find our identity as God, and God our Father, and as God's children. We love sacrificially because that's how Jesus loved us. We bring light to expose the darkness, the destruction that's found in darkness. We, we seek goodness and righteousness and truth because those are God's qualities. We try to please the Lord rather than please ourselves or please others. We aim to be filled with the Spirit and with gratitude and worship and joy. We submit to one another and to the light to expose any darkness that remains. Okay, I know we've covered a lot, uh, but as family of God and as individual families or members of families, I I think we can actually pull a, a few practical things and a few commands from this passage of scripture that we can start believing and start practicing in order to live differently and to proclaim the redemptive power of Jesus through our family and, and through our families. And I think there's actually four kind of major imperatives that we see in this passage of scripture. That's live as children of light. Live a life of love. Speak life and give thanks. And submit to one another. The first is live as children of light. Uh, notice the family language that Paul uses. Children. Everything we do as children stems from our identity found in God the Father. And as our Father, we need to imitate Him and seek to please Him. In. And so in our families, if there's someone that resembles darkness, we need to call it out and get rid of it. We need to let God shine in and expose anything that's drawing us away from Him. Do you, or does your family, look exactly like everybody else? As a pastor, uh, or I heard another pastor um, recently explain, uh, he said, 
he asked this question. He said, are you living a questionable life? And then he explains a little further. He said, do you live in such a way that other people see your family and have reason to question why you do things differently? If we aren't living in a questionable way, if our families aren't living differently, they'll never ask. If they never ask, we'll probably not have the opportunity to tell them about Jesus. We know the wonderful love of God the Father. So live as children of life. Secondly, live lives of love. If, if that live a questionable life thing had you scratching your head, uh, this is how we live differently. As a family, we can love others sacrificially. We invite them for coffee or for meal or, or, or you know, repeatedly, even, even when people don't return the favor back. Uh, bring over a meal, write a card, bake cookies, shovel their driveway, offer to mow their lawn or to watch uh, their, their pets when they're off on vacation. Uh, offer to watch their kids and they need to run to the grocery store or if they need a night out give your money to those who need it as a family love sacrificially live a life of love the third thing is speak life and give thanks instead of speaking obscenely or making crass jokes or talking down to one another we're called to speak life so turn off the garbage on TV Maybe instead put on a worship song. A lot of times in, in our house, we'll, uh, we'll put YouTube on the TV and then just punch up some worship music videos. And nothing is, is cooler than, than seeing your, chil- you know, your children singing and dancing in the living room uh, to songs about Jesus. And often my daughter Aria will, will ask me, she's like, Papa, did you put on the Hallelujah song? <laughs> if you don't know that one, that's one that goes, Hallelujah, praise God. In, our, in your families, praise God for what he's done. Uh, if, if you're out to dinner, don't not pray. By all means, pray. And if you're if in your family, you like to hold hands when you pray, even better, hold hands. As a family who's seeking to display the redemptive power of God, speak life and give thanks as often as possible. And lastly, and I think this one's the most important, submit to one another. Um, we can try to do these things as individual families, uh, but we'll fail in different ways, which is okay as long as we're also repentant for where we failed and, and we're willing to change. The hard part is, though, that we're often nearsighted, right? So uh, sometimes I, as a husband, don't want to hear how I need to change from my wife. And, or my wife and I, maybe we won't see how we need to change as parents. And yeah, we get great ideas from, from time to time, but um, ideas don't often change things. Accountability, though, does. And so as the greater family of God, it's a humbling, uh, yet powerful thing to let someone else, another family, another father, or another husband, speak into your life. And if necessary, call you out. Paul says, submit to one another. So are you letting others from the family of God speak into your family's life? Are you even letting others from the family of God uh, be able to see the brokenness and the mess that that you may still be dealing with in your own family? Are you hiding, maybe pretending that everything's okay when it's not? 
our individual families will only live differently when we allow and when we're letting others speak into them and when we are submitting to one another. So yes, like all the TV shows from the past 50 years have reminded us how all of our families are affected by brokenness. This is us. Uh, and this is how we come to Jesus Christ. Jesus desires to redeem the brokenness of our families by his power and by his grace. So families of the Kettlebrook, like Paul says, we need to wake up and not imitate what we see on TV or the world around us. And as dearly loved children, we are supposed to imitate our Father. We're supposed to be imitators of God. And as families who have been redeemed by Jesus Christ, we now need to live differently. As families redeemed from the brokenness of this world, we need, now need to show the world a different narrative, a different family story. A story, a family story of God's redemption. This is us. This is how we, as followers of Jesus Christ, do family. We come to God as we are, but we don't stay as we are. We're transformed by who He is and what He has done. And out of that, we live differently. And we seek to reach others through an entirely different way of doing family. So we show the world the redemptive power of Jesus. And we show the world a different way of doing family. Let's, let's pray together. Father, I pray that your word uh, and, and, and just the person and the work of Jesus Christ would work within me, work within us, as a family of God, as your dearly loved children. It's humbling just to come before you and pray to you as dearly loved children, but that's what we are, not because of what we have done, but because of who you are and what we've done. So, Father, I ask that you would work within our families. Yeah, Lord, I do ask that in the next few weeks that you would help us see how we can live as families better for you as we explore this series. But more than that, I really do ask, Father, that each and every day that you would be drawing us closer to you as individuals, as husbands or wives or siblings or as children, wherever we fit in the position of our families, that we would come to know you more and seek to bring your redemptive love and your redemptive power into our families and that our families can then live differently, that we could live in such a way that others would know the name of Jesus Christ, that others would see the difference in in the way we're living and ask why we live that way. And we know we can only do these things through your power, the power of your Holy Spirit. So we ask that your Holy Spirit would work through us, would change us, that our hearts would be open to that, that we would be submitting first of all to you and also to one another that we could just uh, continue to let the light shine into any areas of darkness first in us so that we can then be light. We can be light to the world and show the love of Jesus Christ 
what you do in families. And we know we need you to do that. And so we pray this all in the powerful name of Jesus.